0: All right, folks. Welcome back to another episode of Triple G Ginger's Gridiron and Golf Podcast. I am your host, Stefan Kerr, aka the Ginger, and we are back in season three with episode two, and here we are, week 18 of the NFL Season 272. Games are finished, complete, check and done. And it went right down to the bitter end with one of the best football games if you didn't have an opportunity to watch it. Uh, don't need to say much more for all the NFL fans out there between Vegas and the Chargers. Just wow. What a game and almost a nightmare scenario for the NFL and for more importantly Vegas. Which would have had seen historical losses if a tie hit in that, uh, that final game between those two teams. But uh, what a wild ride. And uh what a great week of NFL football. A little bit of a different format this week than we've seen all season long. Usually we uh we go to uh what we learned, some of the game lines and 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 betting lines and, and all that stuff, and we we pick out a big game of the week, which we've continued to do, but uh a little bit of a different format this week. We've got on a guest, uh one of my best friends, Cincinnati Bengals fan. I call him Tyler the Czar Wolf in terms of uh the wrestling encyclopedia he's a host of uh, counted out 7 at uh, www.countedout.com a uh, wrestling podcast uh, which is a great podcast so if you have the opportunity to go check it out but uh we we're going to bring him on here huge Cincinnati Bengals fan we're going to talk Joe Burrow Cincinnati Bengals in 2022 Um, the future, and more importantly, this big matchup that they have at Paul Brown Stadium against the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, four versus five seed in the AFC. We're going to look at um, all of the matchups in the AFC and NFC, all of the other five matchups after we talk with Tyler and figure out uh, who we like, what we like, and what's going to happen in some of these matchups. And then we're going to take a look at the coaching carousel wanted to hop on on Instagram live for uh, for Black Monday yesterday but just didn't uh, didn't materialize had a little too much going on but uh, want to talk a little bit about the coaching carousel and what's happened here in the NFL in terms of coaching staffs and uh, a little bit of GM stuff as well in the NFL then we're going to send you off the break and we're going to get back. The NFL season finishes, we're into the playoffs, and the golf season picks back up. That's why this is a football and golf podcast, because they work well together. So the golf world is kicking up here, and going to get real busy here at the end of the month with uh, the other two are starting, but the PGA Tour are coming off their uh, Century Tournament of Champions. So we'll talk a little bit about that, and we'll give you our picks for the Sony open at, um, at Y golf club. So that will be after the break and we'll end it off with that. So, uh, why not? Let's get into it and let's bring them on. All right. Triple G listeners. I would be remiss. The Bengals are in the playoffs. First time, I believe since 2015, long time friend of the show, long time listener, actually, when he comes on here in a second, I've got to tell him uh, he kind of kickstarted this podcast for us. But you're gonna ask me after this show's recorded and you listen to it, why the hell do you got a wrestling guy on here? But we've got the man, one of my best friends, Tyler the Tsar Wolf, aka Skinny, used to be Skinny, coming on tonight. We're gonna to talk a little Cincinnati Bengals, Las Vegas Raiders. Tyler, welcome to the show. It's been three years can't believe I haven't had you on yet, but uh, here we are, Season 3, Episode 2. The Bengals are in the playoffs. How you doing, buddy? What's going on there,
1: Ginger? Long-time uh, listener, first-time caller. Pretty pumped up to be on here, man. Talk a little Bengals. Who day, baby? Who day, baby? Let's go. There we go. I love it. <laughs> What's going on, man? Happy to be on. I am pumped up for this week, man. The Bengals back in the playoffs. Joe Burrow setting the world on fire right now.
0: I am hyped up, man. Well, come on. uh, You have to be excited about where they're at. Uh, I know you've been pumped up listening to this podcast uh, from time to time hearing myself and the old boy talk about the Bengals and what we feel um, they've done here in in 2022 and, and what they can do in the playoffs here. But kind of all started, you know, the big hype kind of all started a couple of weeks ago with that huge win over Kansas City. But I want to take you back to... How this all started because to me it, it never made any sense, and I, I've never got the full story out of you. Kid from Newmarket, Ontario, Canada. How in the hell are you a Cincinnati Bengals fan? Well, you know, you said right off the top, the
1: wrestling guy, right? And, and everything in my world always revolves back to wrestling, man. Hence the podcast www 7com dot com. Folks, gotta get the cheap plug in there. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Take take you back to nineteen ninety seven, man. I'm in grade seven. uh at the Sky Dome, that was called at the time, WWF House Show in the in the dome there, rocking out, summertime, and uh, I got these great seats where I can see backstage, and I, I'm basically right beside the entranceway. And if I look down, I can watch the guys right before they walk out. Yeah. So I look, I look down, and I see this guy named Brian Pillman sitting there. If you guys haven't heard of Brian Pillman, he's not a Stone Cold Steve Austin, obviously, but he he was one of my favorites back in the day, and So I'm sitting there trying to get his attention. Hey, Brian Pillman, you know, I'm in grade seven, losing my mind. And this guy will not budge. He is in the zone. He is in the zone. He's looking, waiting for his cue to run out. He's not looking at me. I am screaming at the top of my lungs. And then this random guy beside me goes, call him a Cincinnati Bengal." Well, little did I know at the time, Brian Pillman was a walk-on for the Cincinnati Bengals. That's right. That's right. So uh, I yell it out. Hey, Pillman, you Cincinnati Bengal. And he looks up and gives me the old wink and the, the head nod and the wave. And fast forward a few years later, when I finally got into football myself, I needed to pick a team. I went to the Bengals, baby. Oh, I love it. What a, what a great story. The ticking time bomb, no? Brian Pillman? The ticking time bomb, the loose cannon, flying yeah. Brian Pillman. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a great hand. Tag team partners with Stone Cold Steve Austin and Brad Hart. He did it all, man.
0: Oh, that's that's awesome. And there you go. It's, it just shows you how you can become a um, you know a fan and a fanatic of of a team that you're not even living close by. You know, majority of people they, they become fanatics and fans of these teams that that are close geographically to where they live or where they work or you know where they where their family grew up. Um, but sometimes it, it, especially up here in Canada, you, you, you got to pick a team and, and sometimes it's just the littlest, smallest things that, uh, that stick with you growing up for sure. Well, that's it. And if it wasn't that, obviously my, my number two, I got to go with your beloved
1: Buffalo Bills just for the good times that we've had at the park down there. So, uh, got to give props to your Bills too. They're kicking some serious butt this year too, man.
0: Yeah, no doubt. There's been a lot of a lot of parties uh, down there at uh, One One Bill's Drive for sure, and uh, <laughs> a few stories that probably aren't appropriate to put on this podcast yeah, but I, for an, I think, for another day, another time.
1: I think we were fugitives the last time I we went there. We had to flee for the border, right?
0: Uh, I think so. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> Monday night <laughs> well, football. Yeah, that was interesting.
1: We'll leave that um, story for the imagination.
0: That's right. That's right. So now let's, let's fast forward you to, to, to where we are now. And you've, you've lived through the, you know, the Palmer years and the Ocho Cinco years and the Huchman Zadas and, and, you know, the struggles over the last little bit. And then, you know, a couple not this year, but last year, they draft this kid out of LSU by the name of Joe Burrow, And the thing, things kind of turn around and for, for nine games, he he looks great, and he's he's making some wow throws, and and everything's really looking sharp. And hey, the Bengals could could really turn turn this around with this kid. And then all of a sudden, he blows his knee out. Oh. and he goes through this this rehab. And we come to the start of this year. Where was your head at, and where were your expectations at going into this year? Because I know me and you had talked off air, and you had some hopes, but you couldn't have believed that they were going to win this AFC North and and be you know. To me, they were a 2-3 seed in the AFC. They kind of gave it away this last week, but that was a part of the plan. Yeah. Um, But where was your head at the the start of this year?
1: Well, I had higher expectations than you did. If I remember correctly from listening back, I think you had them pegged at the bottom of the barrel
0: in the division, right? I did indeed. I did indeed. But I I did have them making improvements. Yes, that is up. Yeah, I just had them uh, a couple years away.
1: I had them hopes of fighting to steal a wild card spot. I didn't know if they were going to do it or not. Because I was skeptical once. Once I saw them draft Jamar Chase, and this is going to sound stupid saying in hindsight, I was a little fired up. I was like, you know, we need to protect Burrow. We I don't yeah. think we need a wide receiver, and it turns out that he's been the magic key that that's really helped uh, propel us there. The the Burrow and Chase connection's been fantastic. So I'll eat my words there. But I was nervous, you know. the The Bengals, all, they have great weapons with uh, with Boyd and Higgins, you know, and and Joe Mixon had a great year this year, and he's always been a good back, but. Their O line's always been my worry, and and you know if you can't protect Burrow and you can't get in any holes, then where where are you gonna go here? You know, but yeah, that, you know, they're in that wild card hunt. They were fighting for it all year. They had a couple real exciting games. I thought they were one of the more exciting teams to watch the whole year, and that's not me being biased. You know, you go all the way back to week three or four there when they were playing the Packers. Like that game was wild, you know, and just exciting offense for most of the year and. Wild card was my hope. I was hoping we'd steal a wild card place and uh, the division. What a treat.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt. And, and to, to come out this early and, and now you see this, this division and how it's shaped up with, you know, the Browns in a, a little bit of a predicament with Baker and looks like they're going to move forward with him here now into year five, but not really knowing if he's the long-term answer. Big Ben's on the way out. And is going to retire here after, uh, after Sunday at uh, 8.15 p.m. starts up. <laughs> can, by the looks of it, can I
1: just sidebar you for a second? Yeah, I, 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 I text you this. How great was it watching that Sunday night game with the Chargers and the Raiders? And, like, you know, everyone's like, oh, there'll never be a tie. The Steelers are going to get in. And as the, the clock is kicking down in overtime, they kept putting the camera on that guy wearing the Steelers jersey. <laughs> And he was so mad; I couldn't stop laughing. Every they put him on at least four or five times with the biggest frown face on. Great well, camera
0: work on the on the Sunday night game there. Well, it was funny too because I had texted a few people on Monday. I was actually listening to um, WGR five fifty as I do on on most mornings, and they went through they went through this scenario, and I'm like, "Oh my god, the NFL has they fucked up." like, this is, this is a, this could be a disastrous scenario here. Right. And I started texting a few people and I'm like, if this happens, this is going to be comical. And you you get the responses back, right? No chance. If that happens, it's rigged, not a chance. Like, and then, so then you start to doubt doubt yourself, right? You're like, okay, maybe it's not going to happen. Like, maybe I'm just overthinking this and like, because when I first heard it, I'm like, Okay, that's actually in the realm of possibility like this this could actually happen and then then you send all those messages out and then you get shot down right like you know a plane getting shot down out of the air type of thing Uh yeah yeah Yeah. and uh all of a sudden sunday hits and it's like oh my god here we are right and then the game the game's going on and they go up 29 14 and you're like okay not gonna happen (laughs) then it goes to overtime (laughs) right i was so happy Oh, and, and okay. then it's like, okay, now it's, as soon as the game went to overtime, I thought for sure it was going to be a tie. I'm like, here we go. They're going to, they're going to go field goal, field goal. And this thing's going to be a tie because the team that gets it back is going to have like two minutes left. And then they're just going to slow play it out and they'll realize both teams will realize, Hey, with a minute to go, like, Hey, what, let's just, let's just yeah. play yeah. this thing, We're in. Right? Who cares? Yeah, that's right. Right. So um, Wild, but totally right. And and like, if you're a Steelers fan, like those, t- t- tell me that has to be just guys in Vegas that are diehard Steelers fans that just picked up a single ticket. No, a thousand percent, yeah. a thousand percent. Because you're not right. going down there for for to see that game. Like, there's no way that they could they could make that happen. I mean, it was Sunday night in Vegas. That guy might not have
1: even known where he was to begin with. <laughs> that's that's right. <laughs> Yeah, right? But I was just but, loving it. You know, as a, as a Cincinnati Bengals fan for the last however many years it's been, the Pittsburgh Steelers have just destroyed us year after year after year. And I'm so happy to see Big Ben ride out of the NFL because that guy's just been a, you know, he's, he's been our kryptonite. He's, so see you later, Ben. Respects for all you've done, but get the hell out of here. Stop beating us up. But, like, how sweet is it for me at this moment watching the Bengals clinch a division? And the Steelers getting screwed in an overtime game. I was the happiest guy on the planet. And unfortunately, yeah. it didn't fully pan out for me. But I was I was having my fun and, and laughing my ass off of that one.
0: Oh, for sure. Cause you're right, Big Ben, he's been I've always looked at the AFC North as like a fa- the family of four brothers, right? Kind of kinda like my family, right? You got four brothers. And and since two thousand and four when Big Ben walked in and okay, the, the, the Ravens had their little run with Flacco, but it's been like the big brother syndrome and whether you, you know, you put one in a different spot, but it's gone Pittsburgh, Baltimore. And then to me, you can inter- intertwine Cincinnati or Cleveland, right? Like yeah. they've had their good years here and there and they've had a couple of years, like, <laughs> like I said, you know, they had the Palmer years where you know, and Ocho Cinco years where they were really good there in the, in the, you know, 2011 and, and don't, 12. Don't and sleep
1: before. on Dalton. Dalton took us to the playoffs four years yep. in a row. Yep. Couldn't Dalton, win, couldn't win,
0: but. but- right and then the browns have kind of been terrible and since baker showed up last year and 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 brought him to the playoffs and they made a nice little run but he's just been big ben's just been the big brother in that division right like just kicking ass taking names like the fact that he has not lost to cleveland in what like he's 16 and 0 or something like that it's just absolutely it's incredible it's incredible right so 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 does
1: that mean for the people that, that know you the closest, does that mean that you would be the Cincinnati Bengals and Big Ben Roethlisberger would be Chris?
0: Uh, maybe. You never know. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably, that's a, right? That's a little
1: insider for, for yeah. the real close people.
0: There we go. Well, I ain't serving tacos and corn at my next tailgate, so don't worry about that. Uh, but let's 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 take a look now. So we fast forward you to when you started, to uh to where you are with Joe Burrow. Now let's move ahead to this week because um, this is the most important week for you in the last probably six seasons that, that you've been a fan of these Bengals. How do you like the matchup? Yeah, I love the matchup. If I could have handpicked a team to
1: play in the playoffs out of all the options, I think I would have chose the Raiders. Um, nothing against the Raiders. You know, I think they're a solid team. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not a firm believer in Derek Carr. I think that if you look at a lot of the quarterbacks that are in the playoffs, I think Carr makes more mistakes than them. He is dangerous. Obviously he likes to huck the ball around and the Bengals' defense scares me a little bit with that. You know, they're, they're real hit and miss on, on if they're going to show up or not. But I think, uh, I think Burrow and chase are on fire. You got that little sneaky T Higgins there and, and don't sleep on Joe Mixon. You know, we've, we've gotten away from the run game the last few weeks and that's great because it hasn't been needed, but Joe Mixon's there. and, And I think he can do some damage getting through that Raiders D line there.
0: No, I agree. I agree. You know what? It's, uh, it's got all the makings of a shootout. It's the the sixth and seventh ranked passing attacks uh, in the league by both of these teams. So you're you're bang on in terms of both of these teams can can go aerial and, and really throw the ball all over the field. Cars car to me, in a regular year, I'd be I'd be one hundred percent on board with you. But this year, just he's got that. It's there's something different a little bit this year in terms of the way he's leading these teams back. They've won like five games in in overtime or the last play of the game, something some crazy stat. Yeah, like I think that. I think they are six and zero after after that last game, right? Yeah, I think they were five and zero
1: going into it. They said on the air.
0: Yeah, like it's it's wild. The Bengals are, you know, they can have a good mixture of of run and pass. You know, twenty seven point one points a game to to the Raiders twenty two. But here's my thought. Tyler and, and let me know what your thought is and, and it comes down to and you know everyone's gonna say oh here's here's Kerr here's Ginger again with his with his big uglies but to me you're right both defenses have a tendency to not, not only can these offenses make the big plays but both defenses have the tendency to give up the big plays yeah and they're both both a little bit penalty prone from time to time but to me it comes down to the offensive lines because both of these teams have, have good pass rushes in terms of you look at Vegas within Gawkway, we've seen what happened to the Chargers not being able to stop Max Crosby on, on Sunday night, and he probably single-handedly wrecked that game for, for Justin Herbert. And then you flip over to Cincinnati, and you know they've got Hubbard, they've got Hendrickson, they've got big old Oban Joby and DJ Reader on the inside that can, can push that pocket from the interior. So to me, it comes down to, What offensive line can keep their quarterback upright long enough so they can go ahead and make these plays? Because eventually in this game, they'll be one of these big pass rushers that will make the key play. They'll get the sack or they'll get the sack fumble to kind of flip this game. Like we could, to me in my mind, I could see it being you know, 30-27 Bengals in the fourth quarter and all of a sudden Big Hendrickson comes up with a with a sack fumble and a turnover to to flip the tide and all of a sudden they, they run the clock out or since he scores on a on a short field to, to put the game away late in the fourth quarter. So I think it's about those offensive lines being able to protect their quarterbacks and what defensive line is going to make the big, big play late in the fourth quarter to go ahead and win the game. So I'm gonna I, I totally agree with a lot of what you're saying there but I'm going to put a
1: different spin on it too. You know, we just, I just talked a little about Derek Carr. Yep. I think Derek Carr gets a little reckless sometimes in those situations where, you know, if he's got that pressure on him, he he makes those kind of silly throws a little bit, right? And oh, he yeah. Gives up, he, he, he gives up those up. interceptions. I think Joe Burrow is a lot more poised in the pocket. When everything's crashing in on him, hes he's making those plays still. And I think that's going to be a big difference maker there. I'm hoping that if the, you know, if the Raiders are getting close to Burrow, that he's going to continue to show that uh, he looks like a seasoned vet out there sometimes, the way he's scrambling out of there and getting out of trouble and making these big passes, right? So that could be a big difference maker. But I'm really excited to see Joe Burrow in general. I'm excited to see what he brings coming into the postseason. Um, You know, I mentioned Andy Dalton's name a little bit earlier. And as a Bengals fan, I loved Andy Dalton. I thought he was great for us, except for when you put him under the bright lights you put him on a monday night game you put him in the playoffs even some of the thursday night games he buckled under the bright lights i need to see what joe burrow is going to do and there's no brighter lights than you know he's in the first playoff game this year you know and this is his first one and i think he's going to come out and i think he's going to just be ready and i think he's going to be rocking and rolling and i i'm really hoping that we don't get the andy dalton buckle out of him i think that's going to be the big difference maker between the two teams
0: yeah, you know what? And and here's a thing that that doesn't always get talked about when these guys get drafted, but I think it matters. And and I think it matters and this is why you see so many of these and it's fresh off of the the national championship that has, happened last night. Georgia beating Alabama, but and, and you have so many football fans wonder why and they roll their eyes at why so many guys get drafted out of the SEC and, and from these big schools. And where I'm going with it is Andy Dalton, TCU alum, Texas Christian university, big 10, big 12, probably didn't play a whole lot of games under the bright lights. And, and yeah. Okay. It, it, there's football's huge in Texas and there, there's some big games, but he was never on that national championship level mm-hmm. level. Joe Burrow was, he went ahead and did, he did that damn thing and he won it all. Right. Yeah. So I, to me, if I'm a Bengals fan, I'm not. I'm not worried about that. I'm actually looking forward to that because I think the kid's going to come out and I think he's going to light it up. He's at home, he's got he's got everything going for him. Uh, I'm expecting the Bengals to come out and win this football game and and go ahead and and have to go on the road against Tennessee the following week uh, in the divisional round. I, I really am. Yeah, and, you know, that's an interesting game, too. You know, I don't want to look ahead,
1: obviously. I, I, we need to get past the Raiders. The Raiders are no slouches, you know. and, nope. and You got you to tip your captain. Like you said, you know, they put together all these wins towards the end of the year. And even if you take a look at the season that they've had, you know, they lost Gruden halfway through um henry ruggs with that henry terrible ruggs, yeah. car accident. i think they just had another guy last week that had another yeah, DUI, nate, like nate hobbs yep yeah. like what yeah. a mess and and you know I, i'm gonna tip my cap to Derek carr a little bit there too you know maybe he's taken on that leadership role you said earlier in the, when we were talking here that he's been different this year there's been something different about him and maybe he's put that pressure on himself to be that leader and to yeah. get these guys rolling so you know obviously they've got a lot going on and and a, I think they're going to come out and give the Bengals a tough time, but you know we got the better of them earlier this year, and I'm hoping that it's the same result this time.
0: Yeah, that would be nice. I think it was what 32-13 or 32-11. The Bengals. Yeah, lost. but that Dennis game didn't get time.
1: that. That game was close until the end of the third quarter. The Bengals quarter, didn't yeah. pull away until
0: the fourth quarter. There, right? Yep. I I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a similar similar games script this week. Um, they're, they're very
1: similar teams. There's a lot of similarities, you know, with Mixon and Josh Jacobs are both solid running backs. Carr mm-hmm. likes to huck the ball. Burrow likes to huck the ball. They've both got a great receiving core. Both their O-lines are kind of suspect. Like, there's they're, they're very mirrored teams.
0: Yeah, for sure. One thing, too, I think that's going to come into account um, is the short week. You know, um, you're looking at Vegas. I know they play that home, but have to have a wild Sunday night ride. Um, probably coming off of a high, probably didn't get into the building until late Monday. Now having to travel cross country playing on Saturday at four 30, which would be one 30 for them on a Saturday. That's a pretty short week for them in terms of Mm -hmm. uh, preparation, what they're going to be able to implement, what they're going to be able to practice, like that practice schedule for them this week is going to be real short. Uh, Have probably had a walkthrough today. They'll probably get two Two practices in on uh, on Wednesday, Thursday, and then another walkthrough early Friday, and then they're on a cross-country flight coming to, to Cincinnati Friday night. That's To me, that's a big advantage for Cincinnati in terms of they're sitting in the weeds. I believe they played on the road at Cleveland uh, Sunday at 1, correct? Yeah, we, we rested everybody, right? Rested Berlin, everybody. Berlin Jogor- play and, make- All right. and and you're right, Tyler. Not only did Joe Borough not play, there was 10 guys that didn't even make the trip to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. That were that were already just sitting, laying in the weeds. So in terms of Cincinnati, um, that's a probably a thirty-minute flight. So they're going to be home and and rested. They probably watched that uh, that Sunday night game. We're at the at the uh, the building early Monday, and be able to get a full practice Tuesday. To me, they're they're a day to a day and a half ahead of uh, of Vegas in terms of preparation for this week, which could come in very very handy.
1: Yeah, the one thing though that might save Vegas a little bit is the fact that they have played each other this year. So yep. obviously they've done their homework on the Bengals already. It's not like yep. they're going in there being like, "Okay, we got to come up with something real quick." Like they can look back, "Okay, we tried this last time, what do we do different now?" right? That yeah. might that might help them a little bit in that regards, but like you said that Sunday night game, overtime, wild shootout, their defense was on the field forever in the fourth quarter there. These guys are going to be tired in that short turnaround. They don't have that time to rest whereas Bengals are rested and and they're they've been doing nothing but thinking about this game for almost two weeks now. Yeah, uh, I, I like it, man. I, I think it's a big edge for them
0: for sure. Yeah, and you're right in terms of of that. I, I I I do agree with it. But for for one thing too, also is that not only the preparation, but it's in the playoffs when it comes in. You've seen it year over year. Is there's always one or two plays or one or two things that you that you're going to throw in there. You know, like, like you said, we've seen 18 weeks of, of film on on every player in the NFL that has played in 2022. You are who you are. You're not going to go ahead and, and the Bengals aren't going to come out and, and go to, you know, three tight end sets and, and start hammering yeah. out the football or or do something that they haven't done all year. You know, they're going to have their base offense. But in terms of that preparation and where it becomes a factor is, is that if you want to install one or two things, you could have worked on them last week. Because you knew you weren't going into this Cleveland game. You're going to be pretty vanilla with Allen at quarterback. Um, and, and you could try a thing or two out and really come up with a trick play or two or something different that you haven't put on film yet and have it ready for Las Vegas and have it practice. As in terms of Vegas, they they were going all in on that game because they needed yeah. to win and get in. Now they come off this short week. To me, they're not going to have any time to do any of those different things or throw a trick play or two in there that hasn't been seen so to me that's where the advantage with Cincinnati and preparation comes in a little bit yeah. more
1: the other thing that I, I think about too is how big of a game this is for Derek Carr I'm gonna go back to him for a minute yep. here. if you remember what was it maybe five years ago the last time that the Raiders made the playoffs he missed that game because he, he got hurt right yep. so this is a big game for him you know he's he's been wanting this for how many years now he's finally got them back there going to be a lot of emotion going on for him too so I'm expecting him to come out and you know let's see what you got Derek Carr everyone doubts you everyone said
0: this and that about you for years this is his time to shine you know yep Yep. and and you're right it's funny and I'll bring it up now I was going to when we were we're done chatting here I was going to talk about I'll give you four names Dak Carr Stafford Kyler Murray the four quarterbacks out of the 12 that are playing this weekend that that this weekend's games mean the most to
1: mm-hmm.
0: right because yeah. you look at you know josh allen he's won he's won two playoff games and he's gonna have many more opportunities down the road mac jones is a rookie everybody's gonna give him the rookie pass um brady speaks for itself hurts uh, you know thither, philly's just happy to be in the playoffs they'll give him a pass yeah they Garoppolo, gotta let somebody
1: in that division right
0: right garoppolo's <laughs> garoppolo's been to the super bowl no problem Right, um, Mahomes speaks for itself. Big Ben on the way out, fine. And then you're left with that that Monday nighter. To me, those are the four guys that are may feel feel a little bit tight going into this weekend, knowing that how much this game means for for them and their careers. A Thousand percent, man. And you know, look at a guy like Stafford. The guy is putting up huge
1: numbers for and helping all these guys get these records with Cooper Cup and Calvin Johnson and. But he's always been on the Lions. They don't. They don't even know what a win is, right, Adam Dvorak? Yep. But um, uh, yeah. How's he going to handle this? You know, there's a lot of pressure. They they've gone all in on him, and yeah, I don't know, man. A lot of a lot of names. Kyler Murray's another one. I, I like yep. to mention that name too, right? The Arizona Cardinals. Their their record, I don't think like it's a great record, but I don't think they played to to earn that record. You know what I mean? Like, nope, I think they've they got didn't. a lot of luck along the way there.
0: Yep. No, I, I totally agree in that. That's why I think th- those, to me, those four guys are got a lot to prove this weekend. And I, I think that bodes well for, uh, for Cincy for sure. Well,
1: let's hope that Derek Carr just uh, buckles under the pressure, right? We need a big win here. I've, I've suffered through four playoff losses in a row with the Bengals. I need a W here, man. I don't know what it's like. I, uh, somebody sent us a text. Uh, a, a, was it was a meme in our group chat there. That nobody's been alive to send a text message, right? No one, no one has been able to send a text message talking about a Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals, Bengals playoff because <laughs> text right. messages haven't been around since tech, uh, since the Bengals have won a playoff game. So That's I need it. to send a text message this week, going, "Who day,
0: baby? Let's go!" All right, so let's do it. I got two quick questions, and then we'll get you out of here. All right. First one: What's your prediction? Uh, I'm taking the Bengals.
1: Obviously, I, what's the I think. Score? I think they win by a couple touchdowns, man. I think we're going to see them. uh, I think it's going to be tight for the first, maybe two quarters. And I think in the third quarter, Joe Burrows is going to say enough, enough. I think we're going to see almost an exact repeat of what we saw earlier this year.
0: There we go. And so um, two two interceptions for Derek Carr, by the way, two interceptions. I like it. I like it uh tyler's the host of the uh, counted out seven wrestling podcast one of the best uh new p- wrestling podcasts going he's been doing it for a couple of years now and, and he got it start his podcast started a few weeks before uh before we actually got this one going with with ginger and dutch first a couple a couple of years back now and they're doing great things over there you just had your uh your season two uh end off show or a year-end end off show and i believe you had roman reigns as one of the wrestlers of the year in in 2021 correct he was up there he's my number two was he okay yeah yeah and i'm going wwe because i don't know a lick about any any other uh any other wrestling promotion other than a little bit of aew but 2022 wwe who's your prediction for wrestler of the year Oh, man, I'm not. I'm not taking away from Roman
1: Reigns. I think he's the guy right now. And and if they're smart, they're going to keep the belt on him the whole year. And they're going to build to a big money match with The Rock at WrestleMania next year in Hollywood. Oh, I love it. Uh, that would be right. phenomenal. Now, there's not Tyler... a lot of stuff. There's not a lot of stuff that'll get The Rock in the ring again, man. But Roman Reigns is family, so what a way to have a little bow out, right? In Hollywood, right. Hollywood Rock. Yeah, Roman's the man.
0: Love it. Okay, we're gonna let you go. But before uh, we let you go, let us know. Uh where we can find the website, all your work uh, in terms of uh, everything that you're doing.
1: Yeah, we're over at www.countedout7.com, where you can find everything for us. We do a weekly top seven wrestling podcast. We talk a lot of old wrestling because the new stuff just ain't very good. Um, We do a lot of interviews, a lot of legends we've had on there. I just talked to a, a legendary wrestler named Paul the Butcher of Asham who told me to shut up in the middle of the interview. So go check that out; it was great. Love it.
0: Keep it up, my friend. You're an inspiration to me and getting this podcast thing going. So thanks very much. I know we'll be chatting over the weekend because your Bengals are playing Saturday at 4:30, and my Bills are uh, right on after you. So hopefully you don't have to work and you can catch the game. And uh, thanks so much for joining me and coming on. Bengals and Bills, baby. Let's do it. Always great talking. With uh, with Tyler, great pal of mine, known him uh, for uh, about 35 years now, and, and it was the right time to bring him on. Hey, the Bengals, like I said there at the start of the interview, first time they made the playoffs in many years here, 2015, I believe. So, um, haven't had him on yet, great to bring him on, talk a little bit of Bengals, talk a little bit of wrestling as well. And uh hope he enjoyed it. I- enjoy, enjoyed having him on and I hope you enjoyed listening to uh two pals talking a little bit of uh Cincinnati Bengals football for sure. but folks, let's get into the rest of the weekend in the NFL and we're gonna go in order that bengals um Raiders game is Saturday at four thirty, so we might as well move over to Saturday night eight fifteen. You got your parker ready, Buffalo. Make sure you bundle up and get warm at uh, Hyatt Mark Stadium in Orchard Park, New York. It is going to be freezing cold for our American fans out there. It's going to be zero degrees at kickoff Fahrenheit for the Canadian listeners. Minus 18, wind chills feeling like minus 25. It is going to be cold, cold, cold for round three. Of a big matchup, third time these teams have played in the last seven weeks. We've got the eleven and six Buffalo Bills against the ten and seven New England Patriots. Bills favored by four, four and a half, depending on where you can find it. The the totals uh, forty two to forty three and a half right now, floating uh, in between those numbers, uh, depending on where you're going to find it but this is a this is a big matchup for both of these teams. Not too often do you see a divisional matchup uh matchup in the playoffs, but it's happening here uh twice this weekend, which is uh a little bit rare. So let's dive into this matchup. To me, the Buffalo Bills and their offense and their team and and how they're going to win this game. If you're going to pick one thing or one player, it, to me it comes down to Josh Allen and this offensive line. You look at, at that first game and, and and both games for that matter for the New England Patriots and their defense is that they've kind of sat back and and haven't really gone after Allen and and they've kind of forced him to to take the, the check down. The first one was a lot to do with the wind. In terms of, okay, you know, if he tries to throw this ball deep into the wind, he may hang one up here. And, and we want to have one, two, three guys back there that can that can go ahead and get it. And when you have conditions like that, um, you don't necessarily need to, to light up the quarterback and go after him. Because the weather conditions are going to assist you along with that. And we've seen that. And that worked. And then we get into the matchup in Foxboro. And... New England really, truly only rushes three, four guys. You know, I think they only brought five, five guys, a handful of times in that game, and and he, Belichick sat back and really challenged Josh Allen to play mistake-free football, take what the defense give, gave him, and he did that, and he did it to perfection, and and you know he did play off script a little bit, and it was a great um couple fourth quarter drives that that Allen put together to really to clinch that game, but you know if the Bills, you know Emmanuel Sanders doesn't drop the ball in the end zone, and and you look at the numbers, they they, they dominated that football game, and it, it truly really shouldn't have been a football game that was as close as what it was. You know, if, if Sanders doesn't drop that football game, you're sitting there with six minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and, and that's a 37 to 14 football game. Like it's not even not even close, right? So, um, they they dominated that game. Now we come into this final one, this final matchup here, the rubber match. And I think with Belichick, and what you always see is you're going to see a few different things. And I mentioned this to to Tyler when we chatted in that that. Ravens and Bengals game, you're going to see a a couple different things in in all these matchups. Is it going to be a trick play? Is it going to be a different formation that they find that that can work against something that they see on tape or a different package? So what is it going to be for Bill Belichick? And to me, after watching those first two games, I just can't see him coming into this football game. And sitting back and only rushing three and four and letting Josh Allen wheel and deal and cook. I think he's going to want to try to to light him up a little bit. And I think we're going to see, and I'm not saying they're not going to come out and, and and just blitz, blitz, blitz all night long and, and really try to light Allen up. But I think they're going to try a couple different nuances, maybe some stunts and some, some things up front um, that... Can try to throw that Bills' offensive line off, and I think that's going to be the key. Is is how does Josh handle that? Can he escape the pocket when he needs to? Can he does he not get ha- not happy feet, but does he not get excited? And if you see early pressure with Josh, he has the tendency of leaving the pocket early and really trying to rely on his scrambling ability and his running ability. And we've seen that in that that second matchup that they're not afraid to spy him and and. One thing Atlanta had success with was that spy. And and not in terms of being able to stop Josh from scrambling, because if you spy a linebacker on Josh Allen, um it's just not most linebackers are just not fast enough to catch up with him or athletic enough to to get to him and get him on the ground in time. Um safeties, he's gonna be able to stiff arm and put and bowl over him and pick up another five, six yards. So there's not too many um player defensive players in the NFL or on the football field at any given time that are going to be able to spy and stop Josh Allen but what they can do is what Atlanta did and that's read at Josh Allen's eyes and that's something that you can do and you can get your hands on footballs and we've seen that if you can get a couple tips and you can get some picks it's available and we've seen Atlanta do that and it did a damn good job and and you know Devin Singletary had to come to the rescue. So. What will happen with Josh early if there's some early pressure there? Will he be able to stay calm, deliver the football down the field, know where his outlets are, take the short dump-offs, and just continue to move the change and move that football field and not be afraid to play mistake-free football and punt it from time to time? Because Mac Jones, I don't think, is going to really be able to move the football, f- football up and down the field On the road in a playoff environment against this number one ranked Bills defense. Yes, they are the number one ranked defense. They're not dominant, but they're just so sound in terms of tackling, in terms of positional awareness and where they need to be. And they're they're dominant against the pass. You know, 169 yards or 70 yards per game. Like they do not give a lot. They don't give up any big plays in the pass game. They tackle well and they just are very, very good against the pass, and the pass rush for the Bills has is, is really seen an uptick in the last three, four weeks here. Granted, they haven't played some great teams, but if that continues, look out for Mac Jones. So um, for me, on Buffalo side, it's it's Josh Allen and that offensive line, and for New England, it's really trying to keep Josh Allen as the focus defensively when they play these Bills, because if if all of a sudden... Beasley gets involved, and Davis gets involved, and Diggs is involved, and then all of a sudden Singletary gets involved, and that run game gets involved. This offense is impossible to stop when they start wheeling and dealing like that. So they've really got to shut down the rest of of those cast of characters and those players to really try to uh, make Josh Allen play. Josh Allen, hero, hero ball, maybe turn it over once or twice, and New England's got a chance. If not, this is a comfortable win for Buffalo. I could see a 7 to 10 point victory by the time this game's done if Josh Allen plays mistake-free good sound football. I just don't think if if the Bills get up early, Mac Jones is going to be able to handle um being able to go toe for toe with Josh Allen in that offense. It'll be interesting to see huge matchup. Will it be Bill Belichick's one of his potential it'll be his probably his last playoff matchup against Buffalo or his first playoff matchup against Buffalo and his last as he's uh, over 70 now, so it'll be interesting to see. On to Tampa and Philly. Big matchup here, um, and it's strength versus strength. You've got the number one rushing team in the uh, in the NFL against the third-ranked rush defense. Tampa's number one in pass, but down a couple big weapons in Godwin and, and the A-B uh, mess that we've seen, and, and he's on his way out against a pretty steady 11th-ranked um, Philadelphia pass defense who's solid on the back end who's got a great playmaker and and one of the best shutdown corners in the league in Slay. Um, These two teams played already once. It was 28, 22. It'll be interesting to see, you know, the Bucks are favored at eight and a half. I believe the over under numbers at 49. It's, it's who's going to be able to impose their will on this game. Um, Can the Bucks continue with this high powered pass offense and can the Eagles continue at, and they don't need to to run for, you know, a buck 50 here, but can they have the attempts to manage the down and distance for Hertz and be able to move that, the the football down the field? Because if they get in, if they can't run the ball, especially on, on first and second down, um, and you may see some early on from Sirianni and, and and the Eagles, some, some first down passes. And whether it be just even short passes to get the second and four, second and five, and then you can run the ball, pick up two or three even early on in that football game, just to loosen them up a little bit, give them a couple body shots. But to me, you can't come out and, and go, you know, run, run, and then pass on third down, and, and you're passing in third and sevens and eights and nines and tens. And if you lose a, a lose a, a down uh, on uh, first or second, and it's you know third and 11, third and twelve. A lookout with those pass rushers in that D line. So to me, it's strength versus strength. Who's going to be able to do what they do best and impose their will on this in in this game in this matchup? I think the big playmakers for me, Tampa's got to find a way. Um, sounds like uh, Leonard Fournette's going to be okay to play. They've got to find a way to get him going to not rely on this pass game as much take a little bit off of it. You know, he still want to be able to move the ball and, and Gronk's getting going. So he's going to be big, but I think playoff Lenny, even if it's out of the backfield in that short passing game, that extended running game, getting playoff Lenny going in terms of Philly, they've got to find a way to get that ground game going. Offensive line's got to handle their own. And I think Devonte Smith's got to step up and be this receiver that they, that they drafted. I think he's huge for them and impose their will. So that's what I see. I, I still see Tampa winning this game. I wouldn't be surprised with a Philly Philly cover here, but um, I, I like Tampa winning this game. Sunday, 440. We've lost an historic hero a couple weeks ago when John Madden, Pat Summerall's left us as well. But boy, one of the things I talked about when when got the news of Madden passing and leaving us was that Sunday, 425 time slot. And Fox and John Madden and Pat Summerall and... <clears throat> what do we see wildcard weekend 425 a traditional pat summerall and john madden matchup the san francisco 49ers against the dallas cowboys <clears throat> folks get your upset alert on right now um i'm calling it right here on triple g i think the 49ers got a darn good shot of winning this football game they they run the ball for over 125 yards a game solid uh jimmy garoppolo we've talked about him with with the old boy in terms of him moving the ball and just what a performance on, on Sunday afternoon for, for Jimmy G. I know the stat line doesn't show show it, but what he did in the drive coming out of half and the drive at the end of the game to tie that game up and the drive in overtime was great. Some great throws to Debo, great game management, and, and I think... Dallas is in for a fight. They are in for a fight. They're they're 24th in the league against uh, uh, yards per carry. They're giving up uh, over four and a half yard on yards per attempt. Sorry, four and a half uh, on yards per attempt. 24th in the league for the Dallas Cowboys. 121 penalties. This team. I talked about with the old boy when he asked me about this team. Coaching's hmm. going to come back to hurt him in terms of of Mike McCarthy and and time management situations, game management, and situational football. Penalties are going to come back to hurt them. And they rely on the turnover. 26 picks. San Francisco does not turn the ball over. They do not put their defense at risk. They're going to run the football. They're going to control the clock. And when a team does that and you don't get those turnovers, you're going to be in a tough game. And the defense is going to be fresh. They'll they'll play a lot of zone. They're going to really kind of stand back. And it'll be up to Dak Prescott to hit a Zeke and hit Pollard and hit Dalton Schultz and you know you may not see a big game out of you know um 19 or 88 right it, to me it's going to be those those third fourth fifth options in the passing game to be able to move the football down the field if Dak throws a couple up or they get pressure with Bosa um and he can get a sack or two or a turnover to uh look out here for San Fran I'm calling the upset alert right now um the Chiefs to the Sunday Nighter Chiefs and Steelers the second time these teams played again rematch after the 36 10 stomping of the from the Kansas City Chiefs on the Pittsburgh Steelers 12 and five versus nine seven and uh, one double digit favorite here for the Chiefs at home interesting matchup um, this is not your daddy Steelers defense let up uh, almost 2500 yards on the ground but what the Steelers do do is they're solid against the pass. They make big plays and they can rush the passer with the uh, the sack leader, all time uh, single season sack leader, asterix seventeen game season, and TJ Watt. He will be chasing around Patty Mahomes, and this is gonna to me. This is gonna be a different matchup. The Steelers are are they're gonna come into play here. Um, I think you could. This Kansas City defense is an enigma. You know, we we all know the historically bad start through the first six weeks. And then you know, improve play from there on out. But the last couple weeks have not looked particularly sharp here for this Chiefs defense, and it—I just see the Steelers moving the ball enough against this Chiefs defense. They're gonna be able to find a way, um, and I, I've talked about it before. When when you need a throw, you know you're you're not gonna see the you know he's not historically top 5 or or one of the you know numbers wise one of the greatest quarterbacks season in season out that that we've ever seen in, in Big Ben but what i have said about big ben is that when you need a throw when you absolutely have to have one in the fourth quarter on a drive or to get the job done um to me he's top 5 of all time hands down in the big games when it matters the most Big Ben Roethlisberger can make the throws that you need him to make, and he and he does it. He finds the open guy. We've seen it um, at the end of the game against Baltimore, um, and to me, I think I think we're going to see it a couple times here against Kansas City. This Steelers team, they're playing for something a lot more right now. They're playing for Big Ben. They're playing for that quarterback. They're playing for Mike Tomlin. This is a prideful team. They're not going to go down thirty-six to ten in this game you know it may be a touchdown victory uh in the end for the chiefs but um tyree Hill's not healthy all you've got is travis kelsey doesn't look like clyde edwards alaire is going to play so what who's going to run the football are we going to see williams are we going to see gore a lot more and to me that's where kansas city is going to continue to n- need to do what they've they've done here in the second half of the season and play small ball Dink and dunk it against that Pittsburgh defense. Get the ball out of your hands quick, um, and and know your outlets. Double team Watt so he doesn't become a game wrecker, and that'll be a huge test for those rookies on that Chiefs offensive line. That rebuilt Chiefs offensive line better come to play because that Steelers D line is one of the best, still one of the best in football, and to me. That's the big matchup in this game is, is the defensive line of the Pittsburgh Steelers against the offensive line against against KC, and that the opposite side as well. So those two lines are going to be huge in terms of Pittsburgh's going to need it to be able to run the football, stay in manageable down in distance so the Chiefs and Steve Spagnuolo can't start to, to dial up some of these, uh, these big blitz pressures on third down and do these exotic uh, blitzes and looks. In terms of the Chiefs, T.J. Watt, we know what he can do. We know how he can wreck a game, so that will be interesting to see. I got the Steelers sticking in this game a little longer than we think. And then the second divisional matchup, Monday Night Football, first Monday Night Football game wild card to close it out, and it's the uh, Los Angeles Rams against the Arizona Cardinals. To me, um, two out of the four quarterbacks that we talked to with Tyler there um, that have the most on the line, and this is to me, this is the quarterback matchup not about the defense we all know cooper cup and and what he can do but to me this is the quarterback matchup what quarterback is going to protect the football that's not going to throw the big pick and really change their the narrative around their legacy right now right now we all know okay the cardinals beat the cowboys to to flip the the script a little bit but then they lay a dud against Seattle to close it out. In an opportunity, they had to go ahead and win the division and get a home playoff game. Once again, like it, it's they're just an enigma. The Arizona Cardinals, you just don't know what you're getting. Can Kyler Murray win the big game? Can Matthew Statford win the big game? Well, hopefully, um, one of them wins. I hope we don't end up. Uh, we can't end up in a tie on this one. So one of them's going to do it here. But which one is it? Because these two, uh, with Derek Carr and Dak Prescott, got the most on the line this weekend. Those were the big four names that I talked about at the QB position. But um, this is a QB matchup. Who protects the football? Who allows their playmakers to go ahead and win this game for them? And really doesn't try to play hero ball and, and, and put the ball in harm's way will be the key on this Monday night divisional matchup. So it'll be real interesting to see. Don't be as surprised. If we see a little bit of old-school McVay football here, Sony Michelle, Cam Akers, a little bit of mixture there, back and forth, Um, and they get back to that kind of Super Bowl run, stretch runs, and try to alleviate Stafford early from some of those big mistakes and just kind of run the football, get some play action, and ease him into the game a little bit before they allow him to open him up a little bit and throw the ball down the field. I think that might be... Uh, smart from McVane. I think you might see that. In terms of, of Cliff Kingsbury, um, don't try to outcoach coach yourself. Let Kyler Murray do what he's going to do. And really try to me, I think for them, they've got to try to move the pocket. Use Murray's speed uh, with him. you got Vaughn Miller, Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald up front for those Rams. That vaunted D-line defense. A small Kyler Murray. That defensive line smart enough that, hey, if I'm not going to get home, I'm going to get my hands up. So to me, moving the pocket for Murray is going to be crucial. You cannot sit him back there and try to let him dance around. These guys are too good of athletes on that D-line. They're going to find a way to get home and, and could uh, could ruin that game for uh, for the Cardinals for sure. So huge wild card weekend, huge matchup. So I'm looking forward to it. Let's touch on quickly here before we send you off the break, the coaching carousel. We had seven now, I believe. Two, four, six, seven. Yep, we've got seven teams um, that have uh, let go of their coach, and we've got still one interim. I, I haven't uh, haven't thrown them on there officially because I think Ritz-Bissacci in Vegas has, has earned the right to coach that football team next year. And then we're waiting on, to me, we're waiting on Houston still with David Cully. Uh, Word comes out that we're going to get that at the end of the week. And Seattle with uh, Pete Carroll, who knows uh, officially what's going to happen there um, with some unrest in Seattle. But we'll start at the top with Miami and probably one of the most surprising, I would say the most surprising one um, out of all of the firings that we've seen so far here uh, this week and on, uh, on Black Monday yesterday. But uh, Miami, let's go Brian Flores. We've heard, uh, Harbaugh in the mix, Brian Dayball, Kellen Moore, Vance Joseph. So we've heard a couple of the the uh, the, the big names that are potential there. But uh, Miami's a lost franchise right now. We you know we hear this of the, the power struggle that was uh, down in Miami, and, and now makes a lot of sense as to how they handled two baloa over the last couple seasons. Clearly, Brian Flores did not believe in Tua as the starting quarterback, and didn't think that they could win with him as as the QB. And that's why he's been asked to leave, and and has exited uh, has exited in Miami. And their chances of Deshaun Watson might be exiting out with Brian Flores, so leaves Miami in a tough spot because, you know, what is Brian Dayball? I know he coached him in in Alabama. But what does Brian Dayball think of of Tua? What does Kellen Moore think of Tua? Um, Or or whoever's going to come in here. I think you're going to see, you know, those are the the quick two or three names. Harbaugh, you know, three out of those four names that we've heard come out of Miami so far are offensive coaches. So to me, they're going to go after an offensive guy. And and I think Tua is going to be a part of that package in terms of whoever agrees to come in here is going to have to, believe and work with or believe they can work with uh, to Tua Tungavailoa, Jacksonville, we know what happened with Urban Meyer there. He's long out the door, and, and they've long started their search, but we've seen uh, uh, Jim Caldwell, Bill O'Brien, uh, Daryl Bellville's getting an interview for the, for the position full-time, Nathaniel Hackett, who was there in Jacksonville with Doug Marone, um, Byron Leftwich. so similar situation in Jacksonville that we're going to see in Miami. Um it's a listen you drafted Trevor Lawrence number 1. Um that was completely mishandled by Urban Meyer and it's it's going to be an offensive mind. It's going to be somebody that is excited to come in and work with with Trevor Lawrence and try to uh try to add to what he can do because um we've seen what he can do. He hey, he single-handedly eliminated the uh the Indianapolis Colts from this year's playoff run um with a loss and a dominating performance, probably his best performance of the year in that final game for Trevor Lawrence, uh, Jacksonville host in Indy. So uh, I think we'll see an offensive mind in Jacksonville. Chicago, you would think the same thing with with Justin Fields, but when you start to hear Todd Bowles and Brian Flores and Matt Eberflus, defensive coordinator from Indy, and Leslie Frazier, defensive coordinator from Buffalo, (sighs) There's there's four defensive coaches there, and, and offensively, all we've heard is Byron Lefwich and and uh, and Brian Dayball. But to me, I think the general manager is going to be put in place first in Chicago, and then they're going to have their opportunity to go ahead and, and hire the, the head coach there. So I think that's what we'll be waiting for in Chicago. But they're going to do a pretty extensive search, and they're going to go up and down. And the team that's coming out um hot out of this search and gate, we've heard every name underneath the sun is General Manager George Patton and the Denver Broncos. Uh let go of Vic Fangio. To me, this is a playoff roster ready to win now. And we've heard every name underneath the sun. We've heard uh Brian Callahan, O. C. up here in in Cincinnati, Doug Peterson, Nathaniel Hackett, uh Luke Getze, quarterback coach for the Green Bay Packers. Um, so they're gonna order uh interview Hackett and Getze from Green Bay. So start up your Aaron Rodgers rumors right now. Aaron Glenn, defensive coordinator from Detroit. Kellen Moore, Dan Quinn, Gerard Mayo, surprise um, uh, linebacker's uh, defensive coach out of New England. And Kevin O'Connell, Rams uh, up-and-comer Rams um, offensive coordinator under Sean McVay. Kevin O'Connell is... um, one of the kind of bright up and coming stars probably won't get his opportunity this time around in the NFL but um, doing good work and he'll uh, he'll be around the scene here coming up in in the near future I think but starting that uh, starting that process for Kevin I think Denver's the same way I think you just cannot go back to another defensive minded coach. Chicago I can see doing it just that's their franchise and it's just who they are, you know. And, and then that coach will be responsible for hiring, you know, who's going to be in charge of, of the development of of Justin Fields. But Denver, they're going to go in a different... This has got to be an offensive, aggressive mind just to get off of, of Vic Fangio, Mike McCoy, and some of these these stop-plug coaches that we've seen in Denver over the last last few years here. This is George Patton's hire, so this is... Uh, he's putting his neck on the line here now for the first time here in Denver and and a big hire for those Broncos because they've got a little bit of a window here. This this roster is pretty solid uh, with some good young talent here for the next three, four years. And they've got an opportunity if they can find the right head coach and the right quarterback mix, um, look out and they may be able to make something work. Uh, Tonight, just find out. Thank God Joe Judge uh, is let go from uh, from the New York Giants. Haven't heard any names out of there, but you'd have to think, Strong Bill Belichick New England ties with the with the New York Giants. So to me, you might see somebody from the Belichick tree again here. He stuck his neck out on the line for Joe Judge, but I think, you know, I don't think you can discount Josh McDaniels, Brian Dayball, somebody like that um, to come in do a good evaluation on Daniel Jones and really try to get the quarterback position right. Um, because they've surrounded them with some weapons, continue to build that defense, and just try to get the culture right in New York. It's It's gone sour here for for a while now, so it's uh, it's time. And Minnesota, we knew Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman were, were probably going to be let go, and that's that was the case. Spielman, there was rumors out on Sunday he was going to take another role within the front office and not be the general manager anymore, but both were let go. And the owner f- flat out pretty much said that uh, we're gonna hire the general manager. They're gonna hire the head coach And they're gonna figure out what they want to do with this roster. So not a lot of names floating around in terms of ownership um, Talking about head coaches. I think you'll see a general uh, General manager hire there first and then they'll begin their search so you you could see a few of the names um, Already off the board by that point, but kind of the hot names we're looking at that are on numerous different lists Nathaniel Hackett is definitely one. Kellen Moore is is another. Dan Quinn's getting some some good looks. Brian Flores um is getting some looks. Byron Leffridge, Brian Dayball um is as well. Todd Bowles is is definitely on a on a couple different lists. So those are kind of the hot names as we see right now. So um it'll be real interesting to see what happens with these coaching carousels. Minnesota's a tough one. I, I just don't know what you're gonna see there in terms of uh, with their franchise. I think they want to hit a little bit of a reset button, and, and hopefully they can they can get somebody a little bit more aggressive. Mike Zimmer did a great job there after eight years, but it was time for him to go. Um, and I think hopefully you might see a little bit of a reset and a different culture, different mindset, a little bit more aggressive um, to help subside that uh, pretty frustrated fan base up there in Minnesota. Folks, that's all we've got for week wild card I will call it of the uh, the playoff weekend here coming up enjoy some playoff football keep an eye on all this coaching carousel stuff it's always fun to watch it means a lot to the building of rosters and anybody who's a fan of those teams um, important for for you to know what's happening with your team in terms of coaching staff front office because it's gonna matter as to how your team's built and what the what the philosophy is there but more importantly go ahead and enjoy some one my favorite weekend of NFL, uh, NFL playoffs is Wild Card Weekend. Love the setup. Two on Saturday, three on Sunday, one on Monday. Triple header, <clears throat> Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Playoff football. Can't get any better. Hope your teams win, and we'll catch you on the flip side.
1: Real-life passion
0: for real-life sports.
1: Triple G podcast, where
0: real life sports and photography. Hope you enjoyed a little segment there from Triple G. Let's get into it. As we've been over the last couple weeks, here it's uh, the golf world's pretty quiet. Not too much to talk about, but we lost a great one tonight, and uh, just want to give a shout out and uh, my thoughts and condolences to uh, his family and the golf world uh golf reporter and uh legend golf journalist uh Tim Rosefort from the Golf Channel uh does some writing as well uh passes away tonight i believe 66 years old way too young um so that was a tough tough loss and i know the golf world's hurting um tons of uh, tons of people talking about all of his great work and what he's done for for the world of golf and golf journalism and and then them reporting and everything with the Golf Channel. So uh, tough, tough loss for the golf world. Um, especially starting out uh, the new year here. But um, on to what we've seen last week on the PGA Tour. It's only the, the only tour really uh, to talk about right now. And we started out with the Century Tournament Champions. And I mentioned last week on the podcast that they were going to tear this place up. I didn't think they would tear it up like that. Uh... Minus 34 for Cameron Smith. I believe John Rahm was at minus 33. A couple other guys up there as well. Uh, They chewed it up and spit it out. Um, Absolutely wild. Cameron Smith was plus three on the first two holes for the week. So that's eight holes. So you you look at a 72-hole event. There's 64 holes left. That puts him at minus 37 for those other 64 holes on the golf course. That's absolutely insane. Um, it's not my cup of tea folks. I hope it's not a, uh, predecessor or a precursor to what we're going to see on the PGA tour here in 2022, but it just might be, these guys seem to get, um, better, um, in better shape, hit the ball further, um, just better with their game management and what they, what they do on the golf course year after year, it just gets deeper every year and, and, um, you know it's not going to stop this week because uh, you know, you look at the last three winners and and Kucher in 19, uh, Cam Smith in 2020, and Kevin Nall in 2021, and we look at the winning scores, and and Kucher was 22 under, Nall was 21 under, and the winds kicked up in in uh 2020, and and Cam Smith was was 12 under. So, um, you know, it, if this wind if it's a calm week here in Hawaii again at YLike Country Club, uh, it's going to be. 20 plus again um it's a traditional style golf course it's usually a par plays to a par 70 70 to 7100 at wildlife country club it's it's one of these courses that's been on the pj tour for years now hosting this sony open event 74.6 is the rating 141 slope jt holds the course record at 59 shot in 2017 before that was uh was dl3 davis love shot 60 um in 1994 there so uh, big week. I always like the Sony Open. It's uh to me, it's always a. It's not a bombers golf course. It uh, it's got some dog legs, some holes that you can't they can't really rip driver off of. So they've got to really manage their game around here. And it and really with the wins that that kick up, the traditional wins that kick up. It really when you look at the leaderboards, it's the ball strikers, the ball strikers and the putters. Um, that do well around here traditionally. So when looking at it, we might as well get right into our picks to close this thing off. I got four picks this week. Dutch Aways on a golf trip. Shout out to the boys down in Florida on their golf trip. Hope they're having a great time. They played Tiburon today, so hope they enjoyed it. Um, Boys, cheers to you. Well done for getting down there, uh, getting out of this snowy, cold, uh, shitty province here in Ontario and playing some golf down there in Florida, so good on you, hope you enjoy it, hope you have a good trip, but uh, let's get to our picks, we've got four of them, we're going to start from the bottom now, we hear him. we're starting with the long shot, 80 to 1, listen, he was second in this, uh, lost in a playoff in 2020 here on this golf course in this event, 2020, and that was in 2020, 2021 he was T4, 80 to 1, I'm taking Brandon Steele for my long shot of the week, my rock steady pick of the week, I've got two of them for you here, the first one, he's started in this event 20 times. He's the all-time money leader in the Sony Open. Out of those 20 starts, he's got 14 top 25s. He's got two seconds, two thirds. He's steady Eddie. He's coming in at 55 to 1. 2019, he was T8. 2020, he was T12. And last year, he was T19. He's going to be there. He's never missed a cut here. He's rock solid. That's Charles Howell the third. I'm taking him here as my steady Eddie, one of my steady Eddie picks. My other one, I told you at the, uh, at the onslaught of the, talking about this event and this golf course that it's all about ball strikers and putters. Not many guys hit it better on the PGA Tour than this Canadian. In 2019, he was T3. 2020, he was T12. Last year, he didn't play in this event, but he's 25 to 1. He stripes it. I'm taking Corey Connors to be there for my second rock steady pick of the week. And my big gun, listen. Between three guys, Howell, Leishman, and this guy, they've played in this event forty-three times and never missed a cut. I've got Howell. I'm don't got Leishman, but I'm taking this guy. He's one of my big guns. Sixteen to one. You know he's near and dear to our heart on the Triple G podcast, and that is Webb Simpson. He was fourth in last year in this event, third in 2021, or sorry, in 2020. So he can play on this golf course. He you know he's going to be there. 16-1, to 1, we'll put our money on Webb Simpson. That's Webb Simpson, Corey Connors, CH3, Charles Howell third, and Brendan Steele as Ginger's picks for this week's Sony Open. Folks, make sure you're following us along on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We've got our weekly golf picks going up every Thursday morning. We've got our NFL pick sixes, and yes, I did it. I got above a 5-1 week to close it out. on the season. We're going to keep those going throughout the playoffs. And the YouTube channel is up. We've got a few subscribers, so make sure you're on to our YouTube channel, Triple G, Ginger's Gridiron and Golf Podcast. Give us a subscribe on there and follow along with some of the cool videos, and we'll get some uh, podcasts up there as well. Enjoy some NFL football. Enjoy the Sony Open. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you.